The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is up, my friends? Oh my goodness, we are back. What a time to be alive. I hope all of you out there just having the best day. This is the MMA Fighting Ranking Show, and we're back after a little hiatus, uh, and we appreciate y'all for joining us. My name is Sean Mashadi. We are here in that post-pay-per-views haze. Uh, a three-man panel today, the Prince of Positivity, my co-host, Alexander Kaylee. He is on a well-earned vacation. He's out there in Japan. So my two good pals, Jed Mashu, Damon Martin, they are here and they promise to be the most positive versions of themselves today to make up for that difference. How are we doing, fellas? What's going on today? I'm doing uh, really well. I could be perfect, but I have a bone to pick with you, Shaheen. We'll get to that in just Ooh. a moment, though. Okay. Damon, how you doing? I'm good. Did Before Alex, before uh, AK left, did you hear my new nickname for him? I was very proud of my nickname for him when he went on vacation. Ooh, I called okay. him. I called. I called it. I called him vacay instead of AK. I said vacay. Ah. Yeah, wow. very very well proud done. of myself for that one. <laughs> very proud of myself for that. One. Well done, sir. Well done. Lay it on me, Jed. What's up? You you already throwing the challenge out. I'm here for it. <laughs> Be, look, oh, so maybe this bone is with AK, but he is not here. So you're going to take the full brunt of this. Uh, I tweeted this out, so loyal followers of me on on social media are aware. Uh, I have. I have a great issue with our current pound for pound rankings because it says erroneously, my erroneously great word. that Islam Makachev has two votes as the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. And that's just not correct. I am one of the people who has been attributed to giving him the top pound for pound vote. I did no such thing. This ranking cycle. I did the only thing that is just and fair and reasonable in this world. And I ranked, Robert Glenn Lawler as the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. And I come to find out 
I submit our vote, the very secure submission of votes that we use high-end tech here. Somebody changed things around. That was thrown out, and everyone bumped up on my list. So AK is not here to, to speak for himself. You are the other keeper of the keys. I blame you entirely for this. <laughs> Look, let me just say, there is no bigger fan of Bob violence than me. Robert, as we can call him, I feel like we're, we're all pals here. We can call him Robert. I think we can call him Robert. Robert earned that number one spot. And I'm, on, I'm actually on your side, Jed. I, I have no defense of AK. The, the tyranny of Alexander K. Lee, I'm glad it's finally out here in the open. We've sort of been suffering in silence about this, but I'm glad that people now can see what this man has done to us. Because, hey, I think you're right. I have, Absolutely no qualms, ridiculous. I have no quibbles and qualms with what you're saying to me. So we're clear, if you would go look at our site, what it should say to accurately reflect is that Robbie Lawler got one first place vote and that he slots in tied for 18th along with Sergio Pettis and Brandon Moreno at 25 points. Because none of the rest of you did it, so it would have just been me, but he should be right there firmly entrenched in the top 20 pound-for-pound fighters on his retirement. And, and it's not, and it is one man's fault, but he's not here, so you must answer for him. It's okay. Alexander K. Lee, I know you are listening to this right now. I see you out there in Japan. Jet's coming for you, man. Jet's coming for you. The tyranny must end here. Today, we are making a stand. I'll tell you what, Jed, on, on our unofficial list, Robbie Lawler's number one for all of us in our hearts. Number one in the hearts for sure. Just <laughs> undeniably. Uh, and when you go out like that, don't you deserve to be feted? Do you not deserve a coronation? That's what I thought. No one else agreed. And AK is a tyrant. So I just wanted everybody to know that before we get into the meat and potatoes of the rest of this podcast. I will say, I do think there's some sort of rule maybe that we have written down about retired fighters get taken out of the list. And if he's retired, which we called it the most perfect MMA no, retirement that's the thing. ever. You give him you one know. time. Man, you gotta we give had a big thing about it. This time. is the best MMA retirement we've ever seen. He's very retired. He's crying in the cage. It feels like he's probably gone. So I don't know. I, mean, I feel like I feel like the retirement rules might have to change anyways because I don't know that I can rank anyone. Like Amanda Nunes should have just stayed number one because oh geez, yeah. I tried to do that, Damon. <laughs> I in fact tried to do it, and again, the tyrant VK Lee was like, "No, VK we will Lee. not allow this." <laughs> It the is. Way, the, that was very smooth the way you slipped the vacay <laughs> lee in there also you, you that's actually factually incorrect you didn't rank amanda number one you ranked her number one number two and number three <laughs> <laughs> stand by it spot the lie people that's fair actually that's a fair ranking i must say yeah that was the one where i was that that was the one retirement where i was like do we really need to remove her can we just leave her in there for i don't know a year maybe two Frankly, it, we're probably pretty lucky right now that AK's not here because somehow this show would turn into two hours of women's bantamweight <laughs> talk. Because I'll tell you, that division right now doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Look at the rankings. There's first place votes everywhere. Half the people on our panel have just written above the division, burn it to the ground in all bold. It's just well over half at this point, actually. <laughs> I'm glad I started that trend. I'm really excited because I'm telling you this now, people. We won't be doing a podcast uh, after this upcoming week's events which is insane. We have two vacant titles on the line, the women's bandweight, women featherweight, vacant belts on the line. I will be ranking the winner of Holly Holm versus Mario Buena Silva as the number one women's bandweight in the world, and y'all can't stop me. I already got ahead of you. I already put Holly Holm number one, so I don't even want to hear the argument right now. She's already my number one bandweight, boys. I don't even have I mean, an argument about it. 
I, I, mean, champ. I literally don't care. I'm just saying, I, you know, when you when you're you know when your former champion has not a single win over any current rostered UFC fighter, I cannot put Is you that anywhere. Good? In the, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's just I don't know. Sorry, sorry, Juliana Pena, but you know, you have zero wins over anyone currently on the UFC roster. I can't put you number one. I put Pennington because of that, and because you know she's won a bunch, but like I don't feel great about it. So the winner of this fight gets to be the uncrowned champ, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know how we do it. Somehow we always just get the Every women's week. bantamweight, and we did it right off the bat. At least we just got it's it. It's the funniest division in the sport. It's the best. Jed, I think the real question here, and so you know, this is a rankings show ostensibly, so we rank things. I think the real question here, the people need to know, where does your DDP pick? over Robert Whitaker rank on your all-time hot take dart throws. And how long do you intend to take this victory lap? Because inquiring minds are curious. It's number two. I mean, number one has to be picking Juliana Pena to upset Amanda Nunes. Cause I think there was like actually one other person in the world who picked that to happen. And in absolute transparency, that was a joke pick. I did it on (laughs) BTL as a joke and then just stuck with it because it was funny. Uh, and then it happened. And so that was hilarious. DDP was kind of a joke, but I also just wanted it to happen. And like, like that was more said, of a willing it ma- into existence type of, yeah, thing, you yeah. manifest the reality you want. And so while like my logical brain was, eh, I probably can't really do it, but why not? He's been beating a lot of people by doing weird drickest things. He could probably do that to Whitaker. Let's go. Uh, I didn't think it was going to look like that. I didn't think it would frankly be so easy. Toss him around like a sack of just potatoes. Kind of ran through him like he was sort of nothing, which is shocking. But uh, we the thing is, it's hard. I'm less dining out on the pick, which is great. I am more excited that all of you were wrong, not about picking DDP to win, but about saying we don't want the DDP Izzy fight. Because after the Derek Brunson thing, I was very hard on the corner of, don't make him fight Whitaker. Mm. This is the matchup. Just mm. do this title fight. And everybody was like, no, this is terrible. Like, oh, we don't want to do it because it's going to be icky. No, we'll whoa. You. Everybody's like into that it. W- that was not the argument because I was on that corner of the, we were not ready for it. A, it wasn't time for it. He didn't really have the momentum yet. And B, the Pereira fight was the one that I wanted. And then that ended up not happening because he went to 205. That was that is that's, that's not rewrite that's history. True. That actually and, is true. I forgot the Pereira aspect of it. And my I, my but, argument, my argument wasn't. I was actually I was all for the DDP fight. I was against the Whitaker fight because I thought he had no chance of beating Robert Whitaker. Well, you and the rest clearly, of the world. <laughs> yeah, clearly, he proved me wrong. So I was like, why are we making this fight that we know he's going to lose, and then we miss out on the Israel Adesanya fight? Well, credit DDP, you proved me wrong. I I did my Mia Copa on Fighter versus Rider already. I'll do another one here because I was totally wrong as probably the rest of the world was outside of Jed Mishu that, you know, no one was picking DDP to win that fight, but I was on board with DDP Adesanya. I was like, at least it's something new. I mean, it can't be any worse than Adesanya Cannoneer. So let's go. <laughs> it definitely it cannot. Middleweight is such a glorious mess right now. Like Izzy is the undisputed number one and that's justified, but he also just got knocked out. Not that long ago. Granted came back and avenged it, but like, there are a ton of dudes who could beat Pereira. Pereira is probably never coming back to 185 in general. It's just such a weird, awesome division at this moment in time. I love this chaos. And, and to use that as a transition, DDP this month elevates all the way up to number two 
on our middleweight rankings. Number two, before this month, he was number eight. So to rock it up to number two, beating, being the first man to, to beat Robert Whitaker outside of Izzy Adesanya since 2014, just a tremendous accomplishment. If we're ranking things, that's probably my number one most anticipated fight of the year at this point. And it's also going to be the number one ugliest fight of the year by the time we get to the lead or done with the lead up of it. And Disney is just, I've said this a couple of times, but Disney is so, so ill-equipped to handle whatever is about to come from these guys. It's already started. If you just look at Izzy's Twitter account, like this is, this is going to get so fabulously messy. I'm so here for it. It's going to be awful in the best, most interesting ways. So uh it's, just, it's gonna be it's gonna be the most uncomfortable fight of the year let's leave it that like, it's gonna be the, like the the exchanges between them are gonna be so uncomfortable and you're not really gonna know how you should approach what you're gonna say about it so that's what it's really gonna be about it's i don't gonna be think the it's number gonna one be that choose bad. your words carefully when you're breaking this <laughs> this fight down i think it's not gonna be that bad because i think we've hit the 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 apex of problems no it is not going to get worse than izzy uh, excitedly repeating a word I can't say pretty clearly trying to bait DDP into saying it back. <laughs> and while DDP is like actually handling this with grace to some extent, or certainly handling it well in that moment, because that was a hundred percent was easy. was trying to do was debate him. Did you have like a sneaking terror in your head of like, Oh my God, don't say it. DP, DDP, please don't <laughs> no, say it. I didn't think there was ever, ever a chance because like, one and Mike Heck, when he still had his voice, uh, sort of expertly outlined this of like DDP knew what was going on the whole time. Like he knew that Izzy was in the cage standing behind him and he kind of chewed on his words during his interview. He wasn't trying to big up Izzy. And then my favorite part of the entire thing is when Rogan's like, and now we're going to the best middleweight in the world and sort of just haphazardly DDP is like, I'm not really sure about that because <laughs> like he's just dismissing him. And then Izzy's trying to bait him into saying the word and looking really bad in, in like all of this and going to his awful 23 and me line, just some of the cringiest shit in the world. And DDP's is like, I'm not your brother. We're not friends. I'm going to fight you. Why are you being a weirdo? He handled it. I think DDP has been wrong a lot in this awful uh, animosity building thing, but he handled that really well. Like Izzy was very clearly in the wrong there and I can't see things getting worse. Like they're going to have to interact. Really? I, don't, I, I, don't, I, don't, I can see this getting a lot worse. Yeah. How? I don't think Izzy's ever going to be in a situation where he is repeatedly okay. screaming the okay. I disagree. Jets, Jets, I disagree. Let, me just, let me remind you, how many times did he say he's going to leave you on skates like Elsa? He tried to land that line like 40 yeah. times. He's going to keep the, going to the 23andMe garbage, but that just is cringy and not like, this is getting too uncomfortable. Like I think it's. But I mean, he doubled. He doubled. He doubled down on it after the after the thing. He said when he said, "I called him another bad word. I called him this word. You don't like it. So like, where do you want me to go? Like he's just. He doesn't. Izzy doesn't conform to the standards you think he will. He's going to say things that are bad, and and Izzy's trash talk can sometimes be a little cringy. And this it's one, just, always it was, it's just. But yeah, there's no. It's going to get way. It's going to get way worse. Like I'm. This is. This is gonna get it. This is gonna be the ugliest buildup to a fight since Connor and Habib. Oh, like, easily. It's going to get. It's gonna get real ugly. But guys, he doesn't see color. 
I don't I don't see color, guys. So for people to bring in in color as if it has anything to that's offensive. See color. <laughs> All right, Dana White. All right. Uh, we'll have plenty of time. Dana's response Dude, Saturday was incredible. Can't even, can't even do it right now. Uh, we'll have plenty of time over the next few months to delve into this. I'm sure this is just going to continue on and again, only get only get more interesting and complex. But let's revisit the weekend at hand, because once again, it's Alexander Volkanovsky's world. The rest of us are just living in it. The featherweight champ reclaims the pound for pound number one spot over Islam this month uh, in our post 290 ranking cycle. You got four first place votes, as Jed alluded to. Islam and John Jones each get two. I don't, you know, Robbie Lawler maybe floating in there and, as well. Uh, and so there it is, Volk retaking his place atop our list. UFC rankings don't matter, but he did the same for them as well. He's tied with Jones on their number one. Either way, he looks unbeatable. He looks untouchable. He he looked as good as he ever has. Once again, some of the stance switching encounters that he was throwing at Yair Rodriguez were just absolutely disgusting with how beautiful they were. So I want to start with the champ. But I also want to start in a different place than usual because all of us here on the show, we've already talked plenty about the performance, the run he's on, what this all means on our various shows. Instead, I want to talk about the end or, or rather the man who is going to be the Grim Reaper to all of this before all is said and done. Because whether it's this year, next year, or the year after, at some point, this title reign is going to end for Alexander Volkanovsky. It happened to Anderson Silva. It happened to Demetrius Johnson. It happened to Max Holloway, Jose Aldo. That's just how these things work. Alexander Volkanovsky is going to be 35 years old this September. That is ancient for the lower weight divisions. And at some point, he is going to slip on the banana peel of fate. And if history is an indication, it will be against someone we just didn't see coming. So, gentlemen, let's put on our Mystic Martin, our Mystic Mishu hats here. People are saying that Alexander Volkanovsky has cleaned out this featherweight division. That, to me, couldn't be further from the truth. So if I ask you, rank me your top three featherweights who will eventually end what is becoming a historic reign here from Alexander Volkanovsky. Who are you eyeing on that list? Damon, let's start with you first. Well, I mean, I know it's going to be the popular pick, but I mean, reality is, is I think that you cannot discount Ilya Teporia as the biggest threat. I mean, he's really, really good. And him doing what he did to Josh Shimon, I mean, Josh Shimon only went five rounds because Josh Shimon showed incredible, incredible chin, incredible heart, but he got blasted for five rounds. And what blew me away was Ilya Teporia. I kind of wondered how his cardio would hold up because he throws so much power behind every shot, but his jab was on point. His, I mean, his boxing was on point. He was hitting with power, but he also had cardio to go for five rounds. So I think the only right answer is the biggest threat is Ilya Teporia. Um, and I do believe that. I, I believe he is the biggest threat to to uh, to Alexander Volkanovsky. You want me to go to number two? Yeah, give us your list. No, number two, I got Mosar Evloev. Uh, wrestling, obviously top notch. I mean, he's still got some room to grow. He's not there yet, but I think he's still a guy you got to watch. Incredibly dominant. His brother's a gold medalist in wrestling. Incredible wrestling. And, you know, we talk, I mean, obviously we saw it with the Islam fight. You know, Alexander Volkanovsky has incredible scrambling ability. He got off the bottom in a way that no one's really done to Islam before. So that's really interesting. But I still have a lot of faith in Evloev's wrestling. And again, he's not there yet. So I don't, you know, I don't think he has to be ready for Alexander Volkanovsky right now. And, and my third, my wild card pick, and I'm only throwing this out there because I was looking at our rankings and I looked at my rankings and I was just like, who's out there that could be there in like two years? Because as you said, Shaheen, Everyone falls off at some point. Everyone's everyone. The gas runs out on everybody. So I'm thinking like long term. And I picked a guy in, and I know this is a wild card pick, and everyone's going to scoff at the the idea. But I said Jonathan Pierce 
I have a number 15. Oh. Okay. And he's a big featherweight, super powerful, good striking, good overall game. But he's he's two, two and a half years away from even being in that conversation. And that's why I say maybe he has a chance. Because if he if he actually gets healthy, which has been a big problem for him, he gets healthy and can slowly got start to make that climb, you know, 2025, maybe he's got a chance. And, you know, maybe that's a part of Volkanovski declining as much as it is Pierce rising. But I'm picking somebody at the bottom of the list because nobody, like, I, I know everyone here likes Arnold Allen, you know, good fighter, but I don't think he's anywhere close to touching Volkanovski right now. And he's already there. So I'm picking a guy at the bottom of the list who maybe like two and a half years from now would have a chance. If Alexander Volkanovsky is still doing this damn thing at age 38, 37, which whatever that would be by then, like that dude is the goat. But I mean, <laughs> like, you know, but that's what we'll be having those conversations, Shaheen. There, would, no that be, would that be, but that's what I'm saying. Like, how good is Volkanovsky? Would, would, would we be totally shocked if he somehow pulled that off and he's still champion at that point? That's what I'm getting at. Like, I would I'd be, be totally shocked. I'd be pretty shocked. Be pretty I would shocked. be totally shocked. shocked. I w- just for the lower weight divisions is tough, but I mean, that's an interesting list. I didn't expect Pierce coming up. What do you got, Jed? I like the Pierce thing. That's fun. Uh, I don't think that fight just ever happens from a time standpoint. So uh, low hanging fruit, but I'm with Damon. Ilya is number one. Uh, I w- wouldn't have had him prior to the Josh Emmett fight. Uh, I thought he grow- grew up a lot in that fight. We saw a uh, real defensive responsibility that he has never shown before, whether he hasn't had it or just didn't feel the need to be defensively responsible against the guys he was fighting. And then he fights Emmett who can punch her hard. So he thinks needs to, but I, that's one of the most exciting fights that I think the UFC can put together. I, I, I don't know that Ilya can do it, but I think he can present a lot of fun challenges, uh, a different look certainly than Yair gave, uh, gave Volkanovsky. So, and he's going to be the guy who gets the chance. So always just go with the guy who's at least having the opportunity my number two, Damon dismissed him. Uh, I'm not going to because I'm still a big Arnold Allen guy. Love it. Yes, Arnold Allen lost to Max Holloway. Uh, a lot of people lose to Max Holloway. Styles make fights. I think Max Holloway is a much better chance of uh, a, a much more stylistic advantage uh, against Arnold Allen than Volkanovski does. Not to say that I don't think Volkanovski can or wouldn't beat Arnold Allen, but uh, we hear it a lot all the time as well. Fighters level up after losses. I mean, they they figure out, hey, here's what I got to work on. I got to go back to the well. I think Arnold Allen's still young, still super talented, going to come back strong. He's going to be a couple of wins away from it, but I, I think he's he has a very good chance in the next couple of years to get himself into a title fight and to, you know, maybe high roll against Volk. My number three, I had Evloev for a little bit, um, but I ultimately just couldn't because my big issue with Evloev is the way he wins fights. Uh, decisions are just awful. Like he, he's 17 and 0 or whatever, like uh, an unbelievable record, but you want him to be finishing top level people to be like, for me to really view him as like a true title threat, even though he's been very, very good. So I went, I went the other way, uh, a guy that nobody is going to give any credit for. And maybe it's, maybe it's reasonable. But he's going to have a chance, I think. And it's it's Aljamain Sterling, oh. bantamweight champion. Volkanovski can, is, is focused on the lightweight belt, and that's his prerogative. He can do that. But if, if Sterling beats Sean O'Malley, which I think he has a really good chance to do, he's moving up to 145. And as much as the UFC have been pretty shitty towards him in some regards, 
A champion moving up to a new weight class gets to fight for the belt. A champion who has multiple title defenses, you know, has a claim for uh, one of the top fighters of all time in that division. He's going to get to get a title shot. And Volkanovsky may not like it and may be like, I don't really want to do this. That's not the thing. He's just going to have to fight Sterling if if Sterling does make the move up and wants to purry is done. So he's going to have a chance. I don't know that he can do it, but I think he's going to have an opportunity. And look, we've we've all doubted Aljo at various points in time, and he has continued to sort of overachieve. Wouldn't totally shock me if he found a way to backpack Volkanovsky like like Islam did for two rounds, and that's enough to to sneak his scorecard. So those are my three. I love it. I like the Sterling pick. I love the Sterling pick. You kind of stole my thunder I there. Mean, I a had to. Bit. I have the exact same or, list as you. Were you taking Sterling? I have the oh, exact same <laughs> list as you. I have Taporia number one, Sterling number two, Arnold Allen number three, for all of the reasons you just listed. I have been so on board the Taporia bandwagon from the very beginning of this UFC run. To, from the moment I saw this man, I, I felt like he was destined to be a UFC champion in some degree, and I still hold firm to that. And the Josh Emmett win to me was just like you said, that felt like a great leveling up and to the point where it's like, okay, this guy's kind of ready to get this opportunity. And also he's, he fits the mold of like when it, when these random title reigns end, it always feels like it's off of some sort of one crazy shot, one sort like a Weidman Silva or like a Leon Edwards, Usman, just something like that. And if anybody in this division is going to catch Volkanovsky with a shot from hell, it's the man who like Damon said, throws every ounce of himself into everything that he throws like i could i could picture that happening in my head so that was my number one but number two the the sterling pick like i feel like he's sort of being discounted here man when when people say there's not a lot of challenges out there for volk outside of islam it's it's like we're one fight away from aljo doing this nobody has once brought it up and it it feels really indicative of aljo's entire title range just like being widely disrespected he is basically said i am leaving after my next fight which is in like three weeks or whatever the hell boston is in 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 a month or something i'm moving up and nobody wants is like all right well if you're moving up you get a title fight it's just like well uh volk doesn't have anybody to fight go fight islam again there's nobody else to fight yeah it dra- the, the volk is, doesn't uh, have anybody to fight thing is driving me insane hearing people say it this uh this doesn't this doesn't excuse me for saying this, but in all honesty, I was only looking at featherweight. I didn't even think about out like it wasn't it wasn't me Nobody is no, nobody is. But, but yeah. no, but it wasn't it wasn't a disrespect to Aljo thing because I agree with you. Like if I could change my pick, my third pick would be Aljamain because I was only looking at featherweight. Like I was just trying to look at featherweights currently in the rankings who could maybe have a chance. But you're absolutely right. I'm with you on Aljamain Sterling. I love that pick and uh, sorry, Jonathan Pierce, you're getting bumped for my list for Alchemy because I do, I do, I do like that pick. And and the thing is, is like I'm with Jed. Like I don't, I don't discount him pulling it off. His ground game is insane. He has a really long, fascinating style for like what, know, for what Volk long, represents. Long, long, rangy, good wrestling, incredible grappling. You know, we saw. I mean, listen, Brian Ortega. And it, I'm not saying Brian Ortega. I'm not trying to say Brian Ortega is better or worse than Aljamain on the ground. I'm just saying we saw Brian Ortega caught caught uh, Volk in some nasty, couple nasty submissions. Now, Aljo gets your back and sinks in that choke. I don't know that you're escaping it. So I'm not going to discount him pulling that off. Like in all honesty, he's also a really, really large bantamweight. Like <laughs> he he would, he would not be at a tremendous size disadvantage whatsoever against Volkanovski. 
Like just yeah. Yeah. from a physicality standpoint. I don't know. I, I think that and, matchup is uh, endlessly quick. interesting. Yeah. To have a lot of speed. Like I again, I think it's like a reasonable matchup just in general. So uh I'm I'm glad we all agree because I thought I honestly thought for sure when I was building this that nobody else was gonna be on this. It was just same. Like, uh, same. it's just gonna be me being being that guy. I love it. No, I love it. I did. I just, I honestly, I just looked at featherways. I didn't even contemplate throwing in algebra and I should have, I feel bad. I didn't a hundred percent. He's there. hundred percent. He's one of the three. Uh, that's the champ versus champ fight. I would much rather see if folks going to be involved in one rather than this Islam thing. And also I'm with you team Arnold Allen. Like that guy's not done. He's young. He's he, I saw a lot in that max Holloway fight that I like. And I don't know. I'm not, Dude, I thought he won the fight else. cage side. I went back and rewatched it. I'm very wrong. He didn't win the fight. But cage side, I was watching it, and I was like, "Oh my god, this dude just beat Max Holloway!" And then the judges did not agree, and that's correct; they shouldn't have agreed. So, I I left that fight with more thought, like yeah. higher esteem. I, I think I think Arnold, I think Arnold Allen and Mosa are going to run into the same problem. They got to stay healthy and actually get big fights. Like I'm not against Arnold Allen, but it took him forever to get to Max Holloway, and it's like, dude, yeah. if he stays healthy. And could go out there and fight, you know. I don't, I'm just sort of like Emmett or or Tate. It is or, right. you guess, baby. He yeah, is there though that, now, right? Like he, he's, he he finally is getting the fights. Like it's after no, you fight Max, it's pretty hard to go yeah. back down to fight. No, he's Brandon. absolutely. I just he's got to stay healthy. That's my concern with Arnold Allen. He cannot stay Health healthy to save problem. his life. Like he, and that's kind of the scare with Mozart. He keeps running into injuries, and I'm like, that scares me because like when like I like Arnold Allen. I think he's a really good fighter, but. It took him forever, to, and it's not even the opportunity. He could not stay uninjured. He just kept getting injured, missing opportunities. Quickly, before we move on to the main course of this here podcast today, this is, this is just a little appetizer. Jed, what's the title defense record for featherweights? I know you know this off the top of your head because you're such a Jose Aldo guy. Uh, so it depends on uh, just for who UFC. you're going with. Just for UFC. Uh, for UFC, it's seven. Okay, and Volk is it's at seven. five. Currently, uh, as we I, speak right now, he is at five. I do believe that that is correct. If I throw an over-under at you, over-under 1.5 more title defenses for thir- soon-to-be 35-year-old Alexander Volkanovsky, you guys going over-under, you think he matches the record, breaks the record, or doesn't match it? Doesn't match it. You go under? I will, so... So he loses in his next two fights at Featherweight. Yeah, I, I think... Yes, I would absolutely say it. Or, uh, or he just bails on featherweight because um, he's afraid of Aljamain Sterling. <laughs> <laughs> Not actually, don't come for my throats. But uh, there's look, the disrespect the answer, that Volkanovski is looking for. He's he's waiting for you to disrespect him. The answer to all of these questions is always under because we really. It's like you know how the human mind can't comprehend how big the universe is. That it's like. Scientists say that like the universe is is even larger than all the grains of sand on a beach, and your brain just can't encompass that. MMA fans' brains, all of us, cannot really understand how impossible it is to defend a belt more than like four times because it never happens. There are actually like there are two people who've done double digits. In the history of the sport, there are only like four who have ever gotten to seven. It's just so hard. So the answer should always just be under because outside of the rarest historical outliers, it always is under. What do you think? Yeah, Dan? I mean, 
Jed's probably right. The under is probably the correct answer because that's just how this sport is. You know, everyone looks unbeatable until they get beat, and that's the reality. But I'm 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 gonna go over only because I just I've stopped doubting Alexander Volkanovsky. Like I was one of the guys like going in when he fought Max. I was like, he's not gonna beat Max, and then he beat him. The second fight, well, he's not gonna beat him again, and then he beat him again. Although uh, the second fight was uh, a little closer, I still scored it for Max. It is what it is. Close fight. Third fight. He's not beating Max a third time. Not going to happen. And then he goes out there and absolutely demolishes Max for five rounds. That was the most incredible performance. One of the most incredible performances I've ever witnessed. So, yeah, and then like this last weekend, suddenly Yair Rodriguez became the huge upset pick. I had a lot of people picking Yair Rodriguez. We're like, you know what? He's got a style. He's got that length, that range, the creative kicks. And then Volkanovski just goes out there and curb stomps him. Uh, I just, I'm done doubting the guy. I just can't do it. So Jed's right. 100 he's right it's probably under because the the road runs out on everyone every great champion it's hard to get that many title defenses but i'm saying over because i just can't i can't doubt the guy anymore like in my head Ilya Taporia is a really tough matchup but <laughs> volkanovsky just kind of feasts on that he loves it so i'm gonna go over even though i'm probably wrong i like i like the idea of where you're going with it damon i just i just can't see it happening i'm with jed the age to me just looms so large and it's it's similar to what I, I was considering towards the end of Usman's run where like Usman looked tr- tremendous Usman looked like the best he had ever looked until all of a sudden the one day that he doesn't and then all of a sudden it's over right like just things end and, and even went- that day he looked great he just got kicked in the face yeah and stylistically no one was picking Leon Edwards no one yeah. was picking Leon like he was the and he for seemed- 24 minutes we were all right yeah. no one should have picked him yeah so, so that's what i'm just, talking about like that's what i'm saying like it's just like in my head you're right you're absolutely right jed i agree with both of you it's under but i just i'm saying over because i just say i can't doubt the guy anymore it's just a certain a certain point i gotta stop picking against volkanovsky but yeah like you're right like that's the sport like he's gonna something's gonna happen he's gonna get late nose replacement and they're gonna throw in you know who knows they're gonna throw in somebody who absolutely doesn't deserve to get the shot and he's gonna be the one to pull it off like that's just how the sport is and that's the thing. Volk looked it's like a bad cut. Volk looked better than he ever has on Saturday. And it doesn't matter because all of a sudden one Saturday he's going to show up and he's going to be that half step slow. And then that's it. It's over and it never comes back. He, he if he does this at age 36, age 37, like that is historically unprecedented on like a real crazy level for, yeah. for someone his size. He's already historically unprecedented. He's already the oldest or the old he will now officially be the oldest champion sub 170. The only other person there, Davison Figueredo, is also 35. But given the timelines, uh, Volk should pass him with this title defense because he's about to turn 35 in September. So it's already unprecedented, and the odds are just not in his favor. And it, it honestly, it could even not be him him falling off. Like probably would be he ta- takes one half step, but maybe he just gets a cut. You know. Cuts happen, cut on the eyelid. Oh no, maybe he rolls his ankle walking to the cage. Any number of weird things can happen. Leon Edwards can kick you in the head. Or, you know, it can be an Alexa Grasso situation where Grasso was losing the fight, finds her window, and then afterwards is like, yeah, because we had seven years of tape on Valentina Shevchenko, we knew her triggers to spin. And we knew she would do it. And when she did, we trained to take the back and go. The longer your champion, the more tape there is out on you. Like he's been, he's been like champ for four years now. 
there's just more. There's just more time. Like if he does it, it's an incredible achievement. But as the odds aren't in his favor. Can I add one last thing before we move on here? Sure. And I said I wasn't going to do this. I meant to not do this. And I'm not trying to debate anything. Oh, no. What Dude, are you just, doing? I don't. I just want to point out, you said seven as a title defense It's number. It's nine. The answer is nine. It's and nine. here's how I can tell you the answer is nine outside of the WEC versus UFC. Because everyone's going with seven. But you know what those seven are? The first one was a defense of a championship that Jose Aldo never won. If you're not counting WEC, Jose Aldo has six because he would have won the featherweight championship against uh, Mark Hominick and then defended afterwards because he was just given the championship for the UFC featherweight because he was the WEC. The answer is nine. He has nine featherweight title defenses. Nine times he stepped into the cage and proved he was the best guy in the world at this weight class. It's not seven, and it bugs the hell out of me that people are just like, nope, seven. Blame the UFC. That's what they have him under. I agree with you. It's nine, but that's just that's just what we deal with. And I, I will confidently say under nine. I will oh, yeah. feel real good about <laughs> saying Volk, Volk doesn't really get four more title one. defenses. Because <laughs> no one can do that. It's not possible. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. And I'm very excited for this. Because uh, UFC, UFC 290, it had everything, didn't it? Like two fight of the year candidates, the most perfect retirement in MMA history. You had DDP shock in the world. You had a blue chip shoot showcase for Bo Nickel. All-timer of a champ doing the damn thing in the main event. And like we just said, I wrote in my post-fight column, that that was one of the best International Fight Week pay-per-views we have ever gotten. Days later, I stand by that. But I have seen some discourse, some MMA debate, arguing that this was the best International Fight Week card ever. So you know what? I want to go back, and I want to actually put this question to the test, because today we're revisiting the format of King, the original rankings method. We are drafting the best international fight week pay-per-views ever there's 12 cards this thing's been going for 12 years now one of them kind of didn't count because it was pandemic but it was still like supposed to be an international fight week card so we're counting it three of us four rounds snake draft again the format of kings are you fellas ready for this i am uh i won't say extremely ready but i feel pretty good about my my current ranking of these so i like my chances to pull together a good set of cards i didn't uh I didn't re- I didn't I didn't realize I didn't realize until looking at the full depth of international fight week cards how many there were that were not good but uh yes. yeah I'm, I'm I feel I'm feeling pretty good now that I've, I've at least I've at least got some ideas here so yeah when I realized that there were 12 of these um there are like four good ones <laughs> so I just uh, we think of international fight week as a good time and historically it hasn't actually been that. I went to every Wikipedia page and I looked at it and I was just like, I almost, I almost dropped a message in our little chat and I was like, do we really want to rank all 12? Like, can we stop at six? Cause it's rough. It's rough. I didn't realize it until we started looking for this, but it falls off a cliff about halfway through. There are some <laughs> great ones. Bad. There are some good ones. And then there are some real, real bad ones. So we'll see. There where are this goes. three great ones. And then some other ones and maybe four yeah yeah maybe like four ish uh so we're gonna jump into this i have an uh a a draft randomizer right in front of me you guys can't see it so you're just gonna have to trust me but i'm hitting generate draft order right now damon number one jed number two shaheen number three oh 
Boom. So there love we go. Because I'm real confident I'm going to get mine. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Uh, all right, so I'm kicking things off, and this was actually tough because I had two at the top. And There's no <laughs> way this is tough. Th- this this was a little tough, but uh, okay. ultimately, no, it was because this past week it was incredible. But number one for me, all-time international fight week card is UFC 189. That's Conor McGregor, choice. Chad Mendez. Rory McDonald, uh, Robbie Lawler, R- Robert Glenn Lawler, excuse me. Uh, and you know what? The, the thing is, the card itself, actually, up until the final prelim, when my boy, my co-host on Fighter versus Rider, Matt Brown, taps out, uh, uh, gets a gets a submission to cap off the um, the prelims. The undercard was actually pretty bad. It was all decisions, and it was real bad. Uh, and then Matt Brown goes out there, gets the submission over Tim Means, and then kicks off the main card, which is just on fire. So UFC 189 is my number one choice. That's number one for me, International Fight Week. It's capped the right choice. Conor capped off by Conor McGregor's whenever Chad Mendes. It's the perfect choice. It's the right choice. It was the only choice. I was going to belittle you heavily if you didn't pick it. It's the greatest pay-per-view of all time, the greatest seven-fight run in MMA history. And you're right, your boy Matt Brown kicked it off because before that, that party sucked. <laughs> that card was and, terrible before Matt can, Brown got and, things going. And can I tell you a real quick story about that card? I was actually on vacation at San Diego Comic-Con when that was happening. And I still was like, no, I'm not missing this card. So I went in my hotel room in San Diego at Comic-Con and watched and helped cover the UFC 189 card. And then about three, four days later, I actually flew to Vegas and actually interviewed Conor McGregor and Uriah Faber because they went into coaching the Ultimate Fighter after that. So I left from San Diego and flew to Vegas to interview Connor and, and Uriah after that. But yeah, that was an incredible car. I was like, there's no way I'm missing this one. So I watched it from my hotel room at Comic-Con. I cre- I cried tears of violence that night. Like I legitimately <laughs> teared up on our post-fight show for MMA fighting. It's 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 just magic. It was magic. Great pick. Jed, number two, you're on the clock. I, uh, I knew that that was going to go number one. And frankly, I'm okay with it because it wasn't my number one. 
wasn't my number one even hotter take wasn't my number two i had ufc 189 as my third pick so well that's uh, just insane i knew i was never i knew i would never have it because i was never going to be in a position to take it because everybody else loves it uh i think that we have some rose-colored glasses in in hindsight on it i gotta say the the early part real tough hang as you as you alluded to not there you know what wasn't a tough hang you know what just kicked ass from beginning to end and did it in a way that built and just stacked on top of each other and just grew and grew and grew and oh by the way four sub one minute finishes modern ufc record the greatest retirement in the history of mixed martial arts oh just that little thing one of the best prospects we've ever seen just icing a dude with the mitts two fight of the year contenders on this thing by the way one of the greatest upsets in recent ufc history not the biggest statistically but ain't nobody was giving this man a chance and then a main event i mean one the co-main event probably either the fight of the year number two on the fight of the year list and then the main event an all-time great fighter delivering an all-time great performance over a guy as as damon said earlier in this podcast that had become a very trendy upset pick it's ufc 290 I felt really good saying it immediately after the event. I know that there is the fear that we are just prisoners of the moment here. I don't think so. I think you look back at this card and in 20 years and 15 years, you can say, well, the top end made it is all great. All of that is very good. The, the prelims built and were exceedingly fun. And Oh, by the way, we got at one historic, historic moment in Robbie Lawler's retirement and two other extremely important historic moments in the two title fights. And it's not even to say if DDP goes out here and he beats Israel Adesanya and becomes the UFC middleweight champion, this is only even going to look better with time. 290 is the best card, the best international fight week card of all time. It's in the running for the best UFC cards of all time. And I am happy to take it with the second pick. This is the only first two picks of the draft. It had to be. That's that's one and two. I mean... It's not better than 189. I disagree vehemently with you on that. The actual pay-per-view portion itself of 189 had two fight of the year contenders in it, just in the pay-per-view alone. Uh, and then to end with the Connor climax, like like that Connor fight is much more interesting and a better, more exciting watch than the Volk just domination. So, so also the, let's and also 290 has two fight of the year contenders in it. And the retirement of Robert. And Lawler. I know, and I know we're talking about just the fights here, but I just want to throw this out there. Like I also remember because you know UFC has kind of become like the carbon copy league. Like every card looks exactly the same. They actually showed some creativity because they had Sinead O'Connor. The yeah, the entrances that one like incredible. They had the, yeah, like that was cool. Like they actually put the a atmosphere bit of with all the yeah. Irish fans and so many people that we doubting Connor with the Mendez thing. Like that was just magic. And then the greatest fight of all time. We haven't maybe mentioned that in this conversation, <laughs> but also that. this wasn't the greatest fight of all time. It was number three, maybe. Uh, oh, oh no, number three. Also, I mean, yeah, an all-time great fight. Not here to say it's not. I also think if y'all are going to bring up the Sinead O'Connor, which I think is a very fair argument for it. I'm not saying that sort of ambiance is cool. I distinctly remember I wasn't working in MMA media at the time, but I remember as a fan thinking and feeling a little bit, just a very slight amount of upset because this wasn't supposed to be Chad Mendez. Chad Mendez nope. is coming in nope. on two weeks notice. We had spent a year basically prepping for Jose Aldo and so, yes, while the fight was revealing and the co-main event had been this 
tremendous moment in history. The main event, as as fun as it was, still a little bit of a letdown in the fact that I was anticipating the Jose Aldo fight. And I think we forget about that looking back on it because of how the Connor Jose fight ended up going. And so I think people will write that off, but that was a very real feeling at the time of, well, okay, this is still pretty cool, but it's not what I wanted. It's fair. It's wrong. You're not, but it's you're, fair. Not, you're not wrong. You're, you're, I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. It's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are the only two picks that could have gone first wrong, and second. But it's fair. I mean, we, we either way, we watched history this past Saturday. You got to love it. It's one of the reasons why I you disagree. love this sport. I, I have another one over 189. Or I'm not going to say it because I'm hoping I get it. All right. Well, let's see. Let's see if it works your way back. I now have two picks in a row. In my mind, this was the, this is the start of a new tier because those two were on a tier of their own. Call it S tier. And now we're on the A tier level. I'll go back to back here. And I guess my first pick, I don't know that I'm super happy with it, but it's it's one of, if not the single most stacked pay-per-view ever on paper. It didn't play out that way in reality, but it was still a very fun night. Also, just the the lead up to it, the week of all the drama with John Jones and DC oh. and then the fight getting pulled last second and Jones is up there crying and you had UFC PR people coming straight from their spin class in the middle of the night to do this whole press conference. The whole thing just felt like a circus the entire week and you got Brock Lesnar involved as well. The whole thing was just ridiculous. It was magic. UFC 200, you had the weird yellow color on the cage too. It was supposed to be gold, but it was really like yellow and like a weird mustard color. This is a cage warriors cage, baby. It was yeah, awesome. Noons Tate, Lesnar Hunt, DC Silva, Aldo Edgar, Kane Velasquez beating the hell out of Travis Brown. That to me, 2016. And then the day later, the UFC gets sold for like $4 billion, $5 billion. That's my first pick. I think that still holds up as a very good card. It could have been one of the best cards ever if it played out a little differently. But it's funny. It's funny how two of the top three are both main events that got altered, like in the days leading up to the event, because it was supposed to be Connor and Aldo. It was supposed to be uh, Jones versus Cormier, and both got switched at the. Jones Cormier really was like you were there. I was there. Like we yeah. were hanging outside a room at the MGM Grand, waiting for the UFC to show up to tell us what exactly is going on at like nine o'clock at night, and then here comes john jones crying and daniel cormier looking like somebody just you know kicked his child in the head and like it was just a very somber weird week so yeah and then we remember remember, remember, and it was supposed to be they were going to do brock lesnar as the main event then the last second they switched to amanda nunez as the main event remember that so it was like it was a really weird event but yeah i agree it was it was a lot of a lot of fun and it's a sneaky underrated part of this too is it started out looking tremendous because the first three fights jim miller goes out terrific knocks out gomi gagar musasi somehow on the deep deep prelims knocks out tiago santos and then joe lazan knocks out diego sanchez and we're just rolling three straight knockouts and then things got bogged down a little bit but it was promising there for a moment and that card also gets an extra bonus for me because i met leonardo dicaprio that night so whoa I met him backstage. I was walking out of the media room and he's standing there and I was like, um, yeah, I'm going to go talk to Leonardo DiCaprio. And so that's how I met Leo was at UFC. 200. What was your, what was your opening line to Leo? Uh, he was standing there talking to people and I just kind of, I didn't want to like interrupt. And he's like, Hey man, I was like, Hey, I just want to say I'm like a huge fan. I love your work. I loved everything you do. He's like, Oh, thanks man. Thanks. So he's like, so what do you do? Like, what are you doing? And he just kind of chatted with me for like two, three minutes. He was wearing a West Virginia Mountaineers ball cap and he was just standing there right by the media room as i was walking out of the media room he's just in there talking to a couple people and i was like you know what it's leonardo dicaprio i'm shooting my shot and so i did i stood there and talked to him for maybe like two minutes 
What a mensch. I respect it. What a mensch. Shaheen, this was my actual number two. Um, and I, I, I stand by it. Like the, there's a section of the prelim cards that weren't the most exciting, but if you add in, I think you want to talk about the ambiance of 189 and stuff that happened in that fight card. Everything that happened the week of was incredible. Watching uh, DC and John Jones, that whole thing unfold was is just one of my favorite things that's ever happened. Watching DC like crying when they tell him that he doesn't get to fight John Jones, and as history would show, was like actually that's probably a really good thing for you, Daniel. But him being so upset that this is gone, the we get the the coronation of Amanda Nunes, who goes on to be the greatest female fighter of all time. Uh, if you look, there are 12 fights on this card. The worst fight by a fucking mile is Sage, Sage Northcutt, Northcutt, Enrique Martin. And that, but when you look at it, that is so glaringly bad that it stands out because the rest of it, with 20, in 12 fights, 24 fighters, 11 UFC champions compete on this card. 13 MMA champions, if we want to count Gegard Musasi and Takanori Gomi, who I think should sort of get that credit. Five more people who fight for a UFC belt are at 18 of 24 fighters fought for a major world title or won one. Like this is, this is as stacked as a card can possibly be. And even in hindsight, I'm not saying it delivered as much nonstop action as 89 did in hindsight. This is just a, this is what you expect 200 to be. Yeah. This is what you expect in a lot be. of ways. You expect 300 yeah, to be something like this. If 300 isn't this because it's just a bunch of contender series people, <laughs> I'm going to lose my shit because this card holds up. Just looking at it, it's like, okay, well, again, 11 UFC champions fought on this card. That is an insane stat. The only thing That's is probably the most ever. If they do 300 like this, that also means that the, the three weeks before it and the three weeks That's after fine. it, we're going to have the worst. Apex burn Friday those weeks down. Who ever. cares? <laughs> so you you gotta know, that's do the concession. That's the trade-off you got to make. You got to do it big occasionally. Eleven champions. I did not look at the stats. I guarantee you that is the most champions on a single UFC card of all time. Eleven is nuts. Well, I'm glad that you made my case for me for UFC 200. So my second pick now, first pick of the second round, and these are going to start going quicker because you'll you'll find out this falls off a cliff pretty much right around here. Like some of these are still good. <laughs> I we think got, we got two more that are good. They're good. Which I, they're not you, great. Damon. They're not great, but they're good. Uh, for this one, I think I have to go this way. I don't feel great about it, but the main event itself, I don't even know that the main event, I do know the main event didn't deliver in the way that I wanted, but the lead up to it, it felt like the biggest thing in the world in the moment. And it was something that I just could not wait. It was the anticipation for this fight was out of control. UFC 1 and 48. Anderson Silva, Chael Sonnen to the rematch after all the talk from Chael Sonnen. You also have Forrest Griffin versus Tito three on that, which is actually a very good fight. Habib Nurmagomedov, like looking the worst he ever did in the UFC against Gleason Tebow. Chad Mendez getting a 31 second KO over the immortal Cody McKenzie. Uh, I got to go with 148. Go back to the beginning, 2012. I believe this is the first international fight week card ever. And they started off on a good note. Anderson Silva, Chael Sonnen, one of the best rivalries of all time. So that's my second pick. Was that the wow. night? Was that the night that Cody McKenzie wore the shorts he got from like Dick Sporting Goods? I can't remember which night, which fight that was. 
Well, I'm not sure. I, I was. Ooh, I wanted to look it up, but it. I didn't get a chance. But it might be. Yeah, it. that might be the one. I was at that card. I just don't remember if that was the one he did. I remember when he fought the Cody McKenzie fight. He came out with white shorts on, and we're like, "What's going on?" And they still had the tag on him. I, I'll never forget that. Straight from Walmart. <laughs> I I gotta say, didn't see that one coming. That was not in my top five. I just so. love that main event. Like that main event felt like the biggest possible thing in the world in that moment in time. So yeah, that, and all that a nostalgia pick. The main event did a lot of heavy lifting. And so it was still, I think I had that seven overall in my ranking, but uh, didn't see that coming. So good. Um, I knew that we weren't talking about the same fight card when you said the main event, because I'm going to, I'm going to level with you. My, uh, my second pick, not a great main event. Uh, I think people now really realize how bad it was, but at the time, maybe it at least felt tense because of what could have been unfolding. But I'm taking UFC 239. Uh, John Jones defends his light heavyweight title against Tiago Santos. Uh, uh, Tiago Santos, who has no knees, takes him to a split decision. I personally scored the fight for Santos, but I don't think most people were that way. Your co-main event, Amanda Nunes, just kicks Holly Holm's head off in an ironic twist of fate for Holly Holm. Uh, Jorge Masvidal. Guys, ever heard of him? He did this thing where he got the fastest knockout in UFC history with a with a flying knee on Ben Askren, and watching Ben Askren get laid out really made me quite happy. Jan Blahovich, uh sent Luke Rockhold to the land of wind and ghosts. Just another heartwarming knockout there. Michael Chiesa dominates uh, Diego Sanchez. Arnold Allen, Gilbert Melendez, pretty good damn fight. Then you, the undercard is lacking. I'm not here to defend the undercard. But the main event or the main card was really strong. Uh, the main event, not great, but that's sort of where we're at. We had the kind of top tier cards and then every other card from here on out has some flaws with it. To me, this one had the fewest because you do get the Masvidal Askren moment, an all-time moment in the sport. Uh, you get two title defenses. One of them, which at least was tense, the main event looked like maybe John Jones was about to lose to this dude. And uh, you get Luke Rockhold getting getting sent to the spirit realm. That's always just fun. Can't hate no, on that it. was my other that was my other top pick because while the main event wasn't great, I mean you know Masvidal's knee was all time. I don't think anyone that was just one of the like most iconic moments in sport history. Blahovich, it's gonna play on highlight reels forever. Yeah, Blahovich breaking Luke Rockhold's jaw. That's forever. Like that's another one that's just gonna live in infamy forever. That was the start of the legendary Polish power. I mean. Come on. That was the main event was like the only kind of letdown to that entire car. Like the whole undercar was great. It was just the Jones Santos fight was pretty lackluster overall. That fight was stressful in real time because I genuinely thought John Jones was about to lose his title to a man who did not have working knees. (laughs) It's like, oh my God, how are you not just killing this dude? He can literally barely stand up right now. And you are just point fighting him because you don't want to even present the possibility that he could punch you in the face and so you almost lose a split decision Stressful. yeah yeah i can see that i can see that oh my god you've left me with a whole lot of man i think oh, yeah i think there's, there's one, one more. last there's really one good more there's, there's one, one more, more and i'm assuming it's the one i'm about to pick so yeah my choices are not great here but i'm going to go with the one that actually did have a couple of interesting outcomes on here it also happened to have one of the worst fights in the yes. history of the sport. Do it, David. <laughs> I mean, it is it is it is such a weird dichotomy with this card. But yes, I am picking UFC 226. Uh Daniel Cormier knocking out Steve Miocic right to become call. heavyweight champion. 
Mike Perry, Mike Perry, Paul Felder was a sneaky good fight. Paul Felder coming up to welterweight. That was really good. Anthony Pettis pulling off the submission over a depleted Michael Chiesa. Khalil Roundtree, kind of a shocking knockout over a Gokan Saki. Everyone was everyone was trying to build up Gokan Saki like he was Alex Pereira. Like everyone's like, oh my god, Gokan. He was the Saki. original Alex Pereira. Yeah. yeah. And then you know, and then and then Khalil Roundtree, and then yes, that was the fight card with Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis, one of the all-time worst fights ever. Uh, the fight Still that I'm sure my most favorites. of like the, Still one of my favorite the, fights of all time. The worst, the worst. That has got to be one of the worst fights, like top three all-time worst fights, like ever. The fight that made my good buddy Mark Ramondi do a shoey because of a bet we made on uh, live air. It was great. Oh so bad and that also, fight was enough to keep that like near the bottom of my list <laughs> the I theater also kind of feel bad for steve Bay getting knocked out but then the theater brock coming in the ring afterwards and a fight that never actually happened but it was kind of a cool bit of theater with brock coming in pushing dc the dc's coach uh what's his name the boxing coach who's like five foot four getting up in brock's face afterwards like that was great uh yeah a little theater there so yeah that one you know that was why, like, I was like, I was like, I guess I'll put this in there because Ngannou, Ngannou, uh, Ngannou Lewis really knocks it down the list of like all time cards because that fight was so abhorrently bad. Um, yeah. Also, so that you, got was, a, you got a lightweight Dan Hooker knocking out Gilbert Mil- Mil- or uh, not Melendez, but Gilbert Burns at lightweight, uh, just yeah. randomly on the prelims. Gotta love it. Oh my God! After that, I did man. not see. I did not see that one coming, boys. I thought the co-main event was enough to blackball that forever. That event is. I can't get past it. All the rest of it sounds cool. The second worst fight in modern history. Yeah, it's, it's bad. bad. I mean, it's pretty bad. It's it's pretty pretty freaking bad. Yeah, I mean, like like when you go beyond that though, like I'm man, I'm struggling here. With where I'm going, my next. Oh, pick don't worry. You're is, gonna you're gonna pick last, so you're gonna end up with one that is very clearly the worst one ever. So I don't a mistake. Don't I don't I don't I get two no, picks? No, but last. But you will get the last. You will get last. Oh, pick. that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you do get another pick here. Yeah. Now I'm hoping you don't take mine because there's one last one that I think is good. Because you got one more pick before you end up with the worst one that is very clearly the worst one. Yeah, I guess I'm gonna go with my other pick is gonna be UFC 266 uh great main event a lot of theater in the brian ortega with the whole submission thing you got to watch valentina shevchenko bludgeon lauren murphy into oblivion little sadness with robbie lawler beating nick diaz but you know still a little faith in robbie lawler at that moment kind of forgettable about curtis blaze doing what he did jessica and draws just obliterating cynthia calvillo was fun and then you had the all-time rob dewalishvili and marla marias was an incredible fight that was amazing that was like all-time kind of marab star making moment um so yeah that one's that one's again the main event or not the main event like the, the whole main card again nick diaz very sad and then of course you know robbie law or robbie law nick diaz was really sad and no one's ever going to talk about curtis blades win but uh and jarzini rosa strike that's very much forgettable but the the main event was was pretty cool the couple submissions that that uh ortega almost pulled off i can live with that i, I can live with that one as my next pick can't quibble with it that's respectable uh respectable not my choice though so it's great uh because the other one i had that i i have as a uh, top five overall choice and i get why other people may don't may not uh i'm going ufc 251 main event the kamaru Usman wow. all fight wow. thrown together that was uh, so low on my list all right so look the main event is not 
the best. The first round's pretty fun, and then the rest of it is a really bad fight with Usman just just holding Masvidal up against the cage. The rest of it, very strong. You've got Volkanovski Holloway 2, uh, which is just an, an amazing fight. A lot of people thought Holloway wins this one. I didn't think that way, but, I mean, that fight is about as good of martial mixed martial arts as you can possibly get. You get Jose Aldo getting his bantamweight title fight against Piotr Jan. Also a very good fight, an important fight historically. Rosanami Yunus, Jessica Andrade. Arguably Andrade should have won this fight, but that fight was fun as hell, particularly the third round. Andrade starts really barnstorming. Looks like she might actually just have Rose's number. And then Amanda Hebus rips Paige Van Sant's arm off. That's pretty cool. It's not like historically relevant. Importantly, your prelim main event, the debut the man we had all wanted to be in the UFC for some time, Yuri Prohashka, comes in and is the violence king with Volkan Ozdemir, just immediately sets his UFC career on fire. It's like, all right, let's let's do this, and it rules. And then the rest of the prelims are pretty tough, and that's why it's not like a very high card otherwise. But that's six. I'm very, I'm very happy with five of the six. And the main event, it is what it is. It's a short notice fight. It, if it, it it's unfortunate, but if you swap the main event and co-main event orders, I think people would remember this card much more fondly because you'd be going out on the high of Volk Holloway too, which is such a tremendous fight, instead of going out on the foot-stomping clinch wrestling that was Usman Masvidal. So I'm taking 251 as my, my third pick. I had that so low on my list, strictly for the main event, which may be the biggest dichotomy between, or like biggest gap between hype for a fight an actual reality for like a championship fight and where it landed because the hype for that fight was out of control with Masvidal coming in last second and then to watch it play out just dreadfully slowly for 25 straight minutes of, of foot stomping and doing lots of cage clinching was god awful it erased everything that came before it he couldn't do any better he had he came in on three days notice and he's not Nate Diaz that has to be one of the like that rivalry what it was has to be like the biggest letdown one of the biggest letdowns ever because not only did you get that fight which was just horrifically bad but then they rematch and then Usman just I mean the knockouts all time don't get me wrong but I'm saying like the hype you would hope it'd be like at least a decent fight one of the two and you got neither you got one which was a completely forgettable five round boring fight and then the second one Usman just lays out Masvidal like it was all the hype and it's kind of like what we had with Masvidal and Colby as well like oh my god these guys hate each other and then what they did outside a restaurant in Florida was way more exciting (laughs) uh all right well I'll go ahead and go next I got two picks here I mean, I know. I guess I know which two I'm taking. Not a lot of options. I was thinking about like which one should I take first, but it doesn't even matter. Uh, I'll just go the back-to-back years, 2013 and 2014. UFC 162, and then UFC 175. 162 was Silva Weidman, which still hurts my heart today. Uh, But that had some fun stuff on it too. Frankie Edgar, Charles Oliveira had a really underrated fight of the night on there. Cup Swanson, Dennis Seaver, yeah, but gets in Barboza, killing a dude with leg kicks. Uh, that was some good times. And then 
175. Weidman Machida. I love that you blew past Tim Kennedy, Audrey Grace. Yeah, it doesn't need to be mentioned. <laughs> just, just a horrific <laughs> fight. doesn't need to be mentioned. And then, oh, Gracie's fighting in the UFC in the year 2013. That fight's going to suck ass. <laughs> I was say I always remember I always remember UFC 175 for my all time one of my all time worst breakdowns of a fight card when I said you know what Alexis Davis is pretty tough she's going to take Ronda Rousey at least to the second round boy did that backfire on me spectacularly I was like Alexis <laughs> Davis close. is super tough she's going to make it a round with Ronda and boy did that did that not backfire on me just unbelievably. Well, you know, you, you were only four you minutes were... and 44 seconds away from being <laughs> correct there, Damon. Uh, that's my first pick of the last round. My final pick, Weidman Machida, which is sneaky, sneaky, great fight. Like, that's a really fun fight to watch uh, in, in retrospect. Ronda Rousey, 16-second KO. You could argue this was approaching the apex of Ronda. That, yeah, this was when, like, is she could she beat Foy Mayweather type of talk started. That that really picked up even further when she did it to Betch Cohea. But this was sort of the beginning of, like, oh, she's got hands. Uh, also, this was maybe the only four-fight pay-per-view. This, this was the fight that got her on the fucking cover of, like, Ring Magazine. Yeah, whatever, Ring World, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is one of the funniest things that's happened in the history of combat sports <laughs> that everybody forgets about. Did whoever, we, we were did in a whoever, real moment. Whoever, we were in a real moment. Did, who, did whoever made that call at Ring Magazine, like, are they still there? Like, because that's got to be one of the all-time, like, looking back on it, be like, yeah, we really fumbled the bag on that one. Are you kidding? I'm sure that sold so many more copies than a normal oh, no. edition of Ring I'm Magazine. I'm sure it did, but I'm like, in hindsight, like, looking back at that, like, oh, my, like, of all-time bad choices to put on the cover of Ring Magazine, like, that is hilarious. Dude, there can't be. The, the tagline is, I just pulled it up. She conquered MMA is boxing next. Good. What a moment this was in time. I should have elevated this in my pick order just for this. I want that magazine cover just framed next to the gif of her doing shadow boxing. You know the gif. You know exactly the gif. Oh, that we I'm all know about. the gif. And she did that exact shadow boxing to knock out fucking Alexis Davis. And Betch. And Betch. Uh, also, oh. last note on 175. I think it might be the only four fight pay per view of the modern era because it's the one where like Probably. randomly Struve died. Yeah, mid like mid pay per view, the Struve Mitrione fight gets canceled because Stefan Struve has like a like a feints essentially in That's the, in the right. locker room. Yep, That's so it's just right. four fight main card. That. Yeah, I was looking at Wikipedia with that one. I was like, "Why is this only a four fight main card?" And then I remembered that I was like, "That's right," because I, I was I was you were there that night, weren't you, Sheen? I think so. I can't remember. I was. I know I was there. I know I was there because I remember I was sitting. I think I was sitting next to Raymondi actually in the back. Um, but yeah, I remember. I remember being there for that one. Cause I remember when the whole thing happened with Mitrione and and Struve when that whole debacle happened. So yeah, I kind of forgot actually, about that. This is an important card because I think as I'm looking and remembering back, this might be the card that started um, the the discourse that we all love about uh, whether it's better to be on the pay-per-view or or on the prelims because Uriah Faber fights Alex Caceres yes. in the prelim main events. And that was Faber's thing. And instead, thing. you've got Russell Doan, Marcus Brimage. And I want to say that this might have been the card that Faber was like, no, I would rather be here. I can get more people to see me. And it leads us to having Russell Doan and Marcus Brimage in, in this 25% conversation. 25% of the pay-per-view that you paid which for. Which is... Uh, certainly a thing that happened. 
and I'm reading I'm reading the Wikipedia page. I don't remember this because you know just kind of forget what happens. But there was also supposed to be Chael Sonnen versus Vanderlei Silva was going to be one of the was on that was originally going to be on this card or was supposed yes. to be on this card. Las and Vegas I'm like, good, that. Good. and Hendo yeah. Cormier before yeah. that got bumped to yeah. 173. Imagine how much better it would have been with those fights. Not that I mean Hendo Cormier was just kind of sad, but. Like, you know, at least like he freaking hurled it. I I know. I have, I literally have that in my background right now. That that painting, like, that's one of my favorite highlights. Chucked him across across the cage. Like, I was like, oh my God. Uh, Oh, you think you can wrestle? Woo! Go for a ride. It was awesome. Yeah. All right, fellas. We have two picks left, one for each of you. And uh, you know, it's going to go. Have fun with it because really, (laughs) Uh, not great. So, uh, I mean, I'm definitely not taking, I, I thought that the one I'm going to leave you was the worst Damon. So, uh, I, well, there's I'm a happy. very clear worst one and I hope you get, you're um, about to, I assume that we're all talking about the same one. Uh, I will be taking UFC 276. Oh, give me, give me Israel Adesanya and his horrific fight with Jared Cannonier. It's bad. Not going to defend it. I'm getting another Volkanovsky Holloway. This wasn't a super entertaining fight, but as I think you alluded to this earlier, Damon, and I've said it several times uh, in my history, this may be the actual best performance that has ever happened in a mixed martial arts cage. Qu- factoring in quality of composition or of, of opposition, sorry, and, and, and just how good Volkanovsky looked against Max Holloway, who is a ter- terrific all-time fighter. You get the fu- the super fun uh, Alex Pereira booping Sean Strickland into the land of wind and ghosts, which is just still one of the funniest highlights in recent memory. <laughs> Brian Barberino, Robbie Lawler was a fun fight, even though it was a sad one. And then you have Pedro Munoz, Sean O'Malley, which was what it was. But uh, prelims are pretty decent. Jalen Turner just sort of ruining Brad Riddell. Jim Miller winning the trilogy or or rematch. One of the two with Donald Cerrone. Always love a Jim Miller time. My boy, Drickus Duplessis, doing the damn thing against Brad Tavares. Uh, and then some other stuff happened that we don't really care or need to talk about. But <laughs> prelims were okay. Main event was trash, but you do get one of the actual best performances ever from any fighter in the UFC. You get a great knockout in Pereira and some other stuff that's okay. So give me, give me that one. Give me 276 to round out the team. And that leaves yeah. you, Damon. Uh, that leaves me with UFC 213. This is a tough one. Tough. Uh, now, tough now, hold on. I'm actually going to, I actually would have gone with Adesanya as the last one. That would have been my pick. Now, maybe that's a little recency bias because that fight was so bad with him and Jared Cannonier walking out to the Undertaker music and then literally putting us all to sleep. Uh, that was the one of the worst main events in, in UFC like pay-per-view history. But the reason I'll, I'm not, I'm not, I, I would have put that last, but I will stand up because this pay-per-view I picked 213 Romero Whitaker was legitimately a good fight. I both Great of fight. their fights were good. I, I love that Very fight. Good fight. Uh, also, this is the card and it's not even all of the card, but it's just part of it. It was originally going to be Amanda Nunez, Valentina Shevchenko. And this was the moment when Dana White said, Amanda Nunez will never headline another pay-per-view because she had her sinus problems and he said she will never headline another card and then she headlined a card like three months later um yeah that was also on there uh 
I don't even remember. I re- I don't even remember how bad the Overeem for Doom rematch was, but I'm I I One know good. it was bad. I know it was bad, but I don't remember how bad. Uh, yeah, Curtis Blades meeting uh, Daniel Oma. I can't pronounce his Omi last Lynchank name. or something like that. Lynchank, yeah. Uh, Anthony Pettis and Anthony, yeah, Anthony Pettis and Jim Miller, Rob Font, you know, tapping out Douglas Silva, DeAndraj. Couple decent finishes. The, the prelims weren't as bad, you know. Uh, Santos sleep and Mearshart, uh, uh, Olenek putting uh, putting Travis Brown down and out. Was that Travis? You're Brown's just last reading things on a Wikipedia page right yeah. now. <laughs> like was that? But that was that was Travis. That was Travis Brown's. Although Travis Brown's still not retired, he's still in the USADA pool. So there you go. Like Travis Brown officially never actually left the UFC. He's still there. Wait, uh, but, he's in the. Did they even have the USADA pool in 2017? Yeah, oh, yeah. started in it's 2016. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, it's bad. It's bad. But yeah, I mean, I listen. I'm at the bottom of the barrel. I mean, you know, I, I actually would have put the the Adesanya Cannoneer card last, so I'm not totally. You know. oh, I had two thirteen as my last pick, so I'm yeah. I. F- this feels the correct place yeah, for it. I'm not. Me. Yeah, I'm not defending it. Trust me, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's pretty. It's I'm pretty, pretty happy with my list, frankly. Yeah, I have a it's feeling not, if we took this good. to a vote, that Damon's would win just because of the number one. But. I don't know. This, I have four of the top six according to my pre-draft rankings. I feel great. So just a quick recap before we get out of here. Damon's team, Team Martin, UFC 189, Mendez McGregor, UFC 226, Miocic Cormier 1, 266, Volkanovski Ortega, and 213, Romero Whitaker. And now Jed, Team Mishu here, you have UFC 290, Volkanovski Rodriguez, UFC 239, uh, which we can call Joe Santos, but it's really Masvidal Askren. Uh, mm-hmm. UFC one two fifty one, Usman Masvidal, not great. Uh, UFC two seventy six, Adesanya Cannonier. You're really top heavy. I, You're really top I, heavy. I, I again, I think I have four of the top six. I will also say that um, as the resident Alexander Volkanovsky hater. I have somehow ended up with three of, <laughs> of his, his fights. In my also, face. can I throw out one other little stat of mine? I think I may have the uh, the best and the worst fight possibly in UFC history. I have Ronnie, I have Robbie Lawler, Roy McDonald, and I also have Francis Ngannou and uh, Derek Lewis on my list. So I may have actually topped that with the best and worst fight in UFC history. I'm one. I'm and Ngannou Lewis is definitely not the worst. It's Rose probably Carla. the second. It's Rose Carla is the worst. Yes, that's true. Okay, yeah, you're right. I you're do right. also think that Robbie uh, McDonald is is probably like the second best fight. So you've got the numbers two on both ends. That's fine. I can, live with, I can live with that. That's very impressive. I forgot about Rose Carla. I've I've tried to put Rose Carla out of my memory forever, so I kind of forgot about that. As one, we so. all should. <laughs> I was in the arena for both of those terrible fights, so you know, <laughs> I'm bringing it up. Uh, I've never been in the arena for a really bad one. I've been there for some all-time grave fights. I've never been in the arena for just a shit box. That sounds like, like we need to send you to more fights. So just for the betterment of everybody. <laughs> I, was in, in the I was in the arena. I was in the arena for Kevin Jordan and Gabriel Gonzaga back in the day. Okay. So I've been all to some classic. really bad fights. <laughs> uh, highs and lows, Damon. Highs and lows. Then rounding up T and Al Shadi here. I got UFC 200, Tate versus Nunes. Uh, also just one of the most stacked pay-per-views ever, ever on paper, at least. UFC 148, the original International Fight Week, Silva Son in two. UFC 162, Silva Weidman one. And UFC 175, Weidman Machida. So I actually didn't realize it, but I have 2012, 13, 14, and 16. So I'm just uh, I'm just here for the nostalgia, apparently. So I think... 
based on based on well-roundedness i think shaheen wins because you have like good pretty good okay like like, a then bbb kind of yeah like they're not like you don't really like i mine completely drops out like i go from the highest of highest to the <laughs> lowest of lows like you're you're very like you're very even killed they're all four picks mine really starts strong and ends really badly <laughs> i love my list i think i just pants y'all <laughs> well we'll figure out a way to put it to the vote and i fully expect damon to win because people just look at the top of these type of things but we'll see oh yeah <laughs> who who got 189 well that's gonna be the winner that's yeah how it'll exactly go. that's usually how these fan votes go uh anyway we have one last quick thing to do before we get out of here what we do on these ranking shows we pour one out for our fallen comrades and this month this ranking cycle we had three notable names fall out of the rankings two of which maybe potentially fell out forever. I would say one guy maybe still has a chance to get back in there, but it, this pains me. This, this, this deeply pays me, gentlemen. Gegard Musasi, our sweet, sweet, sassy prince. He finally tumbles out of the middleweight rankings after seemingly being in here forever for his entire career, more or less. Losing to Fabian Edwards, he goes from number seven just down to unranked. We just showed no mercy. On this one as a team, we really just let him have it. Uh, back-to-back losses now after Johnny Eblins and Fabian Edwards. He's 37. Tough to see him getting back in, considering fighting for Bellator. Not going to get the level of competition. And also, it seems like it might have passed him at this point, finally, after a billion wars. Uh, also, Derek Lewis, his slow tumble, his slow erasure from the heavyweight ranks finally culminates after the one, the new one champion, Anatoly Malkinen, sort of kicks him out the door. Uh, Derek Lewis, 38 years old, one and four in his last five. And then finally, Michael Chiesa dropping from that number 14 welterweight spot that he was just clinging to. This one was more about inactivity than anything else. He finally surpassed our 18 month mark without fighting. He's actually scheduled to fight in a couple of weeks here against Kevin Holland at UFC 291. He's also coming off of back to back losses to Sean Brady and Vicente Luque. Gentlemen, last thing before we get out of here of these three, do you agree with me that two of them are probably gone forever? I mean, the two of them are definitely gone forever. Uh, I, is it three out of three? 50-50 that Chiesa gets back. I mean, if Chiesa beats Holland, he might sneak back in just immediately anyway because a lot of respect for Holland. He's a good fighter. He could. He has by far the best chance, but, you know, a lot of new talent coming up at welterweight, tough division. It, it could be. He could miss it. So, um but yeah, I mean, there's a zero percent chance Musasi gets back, and never say never at heavyweight, Derek Lewis. But it seems pretty unlikely. Yeah, I think Musasi. Sadly, I think he's gone. I think he's done. Um, that's unfortunate because we all like the Moose, but I think he's pretty much gone. I give I give Derek Lewis a slight chance to get back in there because he could ether somebody, and heavyweight is pretty weak. Like at the bottom, like it gets pretty bad when you get outside the top ten. So there's a chance. Plus, he still has a big name, so he might get, yeah. you know, like a higher, like a ranked guy just because. Yeah, they could throw him in there with somebody and he could he could pull off a big knockout and still kind of sneak back in. So I'll, I'll but yeah, and I think he has the one with the best chance. But um, yeah, his are slipping a little bit, too, because Welterweight's really, really good. And, you know, I mean, beating Kevin Holland would be impressive, but he's actually got to stay active at that point. And. You know, guys like Jack Della Maddalena and Ian Gary are coming for those spots, and I just have a hard time seeing Kiesa getting back in there. But, you know, you never know. Let me say this. I hope Derek Lewis doesn't get back in there. 
because I want Derek Lewis in BKFC. Oh. He's done MMA. We don't need to do any more MMA. We're fine with it. Go to BKFC, Derek. Let's let's start really having some fun. Jed. Yes. <laughs> this is why I just blow your mind. This is why you were the captain of Team BKFC in our fantasy draft earlier this year. I mean, that's just that's gold. That's promotional gold. Derek Lewis versus Ben Rothwell. How much mass is that in the cage? Is the most fitting BKFC fight possible. Like, I don't know how they haven't already tried to make it happen. Like, it's just the most obvious thing to do. Oh, that just if makes Derek, me so Derek, happy. That if Derek Lewis so goes happy. to BKFC and knocks somebody out, I may rank him in our rankings again just for the sake <laughs> of being celebrating that idea. So, if Derek Lewis goes to BKFC and he's fighting Ben Rothwell, I will be in attendance. I will, I don't, I will buy a ticket just go and as a fan. fly myself there just to go <laughs> as somebody who wants to see these sorts of things happen. So that's it. I'm putting it out there right now. Yeah. Manifest the reality you want, boys. I like it. That might be I the best thing that's happened it. on this podcast. When you said that, yes. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> How have I never considered this? This is just incredible. Oh my gosh. I mean, we got to, ha- that's the happy note. The Prince of Positivity would have left us on. So let's leave it on that note. This has been another episode of the MMA Fighting Rankings Show. We appreciate y'all so much for joining us. We got another pay-per-view coming up just in like three weeks. This is the second one of July, and it's a damn good one. Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, the rematch that you've been waiting for. So we'll be back after that. In the meantime, that man is Jed Mishu. That man is Damon Martin for the absent Prince of Positivity, Alexander K. Lee. I am Sean Oshadi. We love y'all. See ya. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.